welcome back to Comics Deserve Better. We took a week off for the, ho the Thanksgiving holiday, and Darcy is back. So, um, hey. they, yay, awesome. Yeah. So, and also Brian's here too, his last podcast in his 30s. How do you feel, man? Old. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Good. You know, happy to be here. Yeah, you're almost, you're a few years away from the age Jack Kirby was when he co-created the Fantastic Four. So it's pretty Ooh. awesome. I have something to look forward to then. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so we're, we're, uh, we took a week off and we're back um, with news, um, quick hits, looking forwards. And our main course this week will be Book Tour by Andy Watson from Top Shelf. So uh, Darcy, you're leading out the news this week. What do you have for us? Um, I stumbled upon um, a new graphic novel that is coming out not anytime soon. It is called The Worst Ronin uh, by Maggie Takuda Hall and uh, art by Faith Schaefer. Um, Maggie Takuda Hall, I've not actually read anything else she's done, um, but uh, Faith Schaefer did some of the background art in uh, Disenchantment that uh, cartoon series on Netflix, which I really kind of liked. Uh, so I saw the art and was just really kind of uh, enchanted <laughs> to use a really terrible pun. <laughs> um, and I thought it was really neat looking. So I, it's basically all we've got so far because this book doesn't come out until 2024. So it's a really, really far ahead looking forward. Uh, so it's, mm -hmm. it's not something I could put down as a looking forward. So I was like, oh, <laughs> news. I can talk about it in news, right? Um, it's basically two women who are samurai. And one of the samurai is like driven by sadness, which is perfectly acceptable as a samurai uh, goal and another one is driven by um, this search for glory again perfectly acceptable as a samurai goal um, and they're just moving forward together in uh, working as samurai and the art that's been put out so far uh, is uh, black and white and red uh, so it's kind of tricolor art and it's really sort of fantastical but uh with uh, some edge to it the sort of thing it's not quite what you'd see with disenchantment because it's not uh matt's art you know it's it's not that style but it has some sort of it's, it's more interesting than i think i've seen from a lot of other black and white art not to touch on anything that we're we're talking about today uh it's got a lot of creativity to it. Um, what I've read from what Maggie said about the story, uh, she said specifically, it's definitely not historical. It's definitely supposed to be something that's interesting and different, not going for any sort of historical accuracy. Um, so I, I don't know. I just saw the art for it definitely i think it's something to look forward to and to kind of put on a checklist for somewhere down the line because i think it could be very interesting yeah i'm looking at the art right now and it is very nice I, I, it? I, I, yeah it has it's like it's almost like it is almost like a traditional but then there's some kind of weird flair to it it's hard to explain but right know, yeah. It's got some like traditional fantasy, kind of traditional Asian feel to it, but it's got this modern sort of edge that I really like. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, like a hip hop almost edge to it. 
you know, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it reminds me of that one artist, um, Yoshitaki Amano, but more more cartoony, like especially the eyes um, and the pets. Um, yeah, cool shit. I, I kind of probably comes from that kind of comes from that animation vibe. She's you know she's got that experience, so. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of pissed I have to wait like three years for it, but that's awesome. Right. It looks like it's it's coming out from from a house in Mifflin, so get that money um, and it'll have a good good wide distribution. Mm-hmm. Shoot, maybe I'll get, I'll have to email it to myself in the future, pick it up for the library. Um, yeah, and I really I really like the quote in the press release uh, that she said. It was really cool. Um, she Things, said not, this book I, has monsters, dirtbags, oh, pots for sale, battles, cell uh, phones, murder, revenge, farts, ghosts, women's with swords and oh. naginatas, but doesn't have historical accuracy. Not every story by a POC or person of color has to be a lesson plan. Yeah, I really, I really like that last that last sentence because everyone's all like historical, but like it's yeah. fiction. You don't have to if you want. Mm-hmm. I like. I think I I told someone this, not about comics. It was a, a TV show, The Crown. I'm like. If you want an accurate portrayal of a right. historical event, read a history book or yeah. watch a documentary. If you like, but if you know if it's something fiction, you know it's fictional. You you don't you might learn some stuff about the period, but like don't like take it by face value. It's someone trying to use history right. to tell a story or their own viewpoint. So I think right. that they're doing this in this. They're time. writing a television show in real life. It's not written like a television show, <laughs> you know. So yeah, exactly. But, Actually, it's funny because I had a conversation like this with my my nephew yesterday. Um, we were talking about Ghost of Tsushima and how a lot of people have complained about that video game because it's not historically accurate. But they were just going for the feel of like the samurai movies of the fifties, which were also not you know historically accurate. It's just more of a perception than an actual you know like accuracy. Yeah, which is. And still, I mean, there's a Kurosawa mode, so of course they're going for a movie feel what? to it. There's a video game with a curse. Oh wow! It's black and, and white, it, yeah. and it has it has a grain to it, and it's black and white. But Whoa. one thing I've heard though is that there's a lot of color in the game that is necessary, so it's not the best way to play it. But still, that's cool. That's very cool. Um, yeah, speaking about old school stuff, uh, I uh, so I have a bit of a news news release. So I like to just, you know, give kudos to our old school uh, indie creators. And I got an email from Mike Grell and he is launching a Kickstarter for a deluxe omnibus of his uh, series, 1980s series, uh, John Sable Freelance. And it's basically like an adventure series from the eighties. It was one of the first big creator owned series. Um, it's a little bit of, a little bit of science fiction, a little bit of action adventure, just really, uh, Grell uh, wrote and drew uh, the first 44 issues in the 80s um, while he was also doing stuff for DC like the Green Arrow books and it's it's really awesome it's like very kind of photorealistic very Neil Adams but also just I don't know so, so just over the top and fun and it's a series that I've heard about but it's really like a lot of it is um, out of print and or just really hard to find you might be able to find it at like a used bookstore but I'm really excited that it might come in this cool deluxe bingeable um, format. And also, yeah, you know, support, support, you know, good, you know, classic creators. And I haven't, sadly, I've not seen Mike Grell done, do much work recently. Um, I know he did some, some art, uh, some warlord art on uh, uh, Young Justice with Brian Michael Bendis. Kudos, kudos to Bendis for giving him a job on that. 
Um, so yeah, this might be a good way to support his work. And also, yeah, a lot of great, you know, creators from the 70s and 80s are still uh, doing stuff and it might be self-published, like Rick Veach is, is still doing a lot of work. So, you know, look, I mean, there aren't cons anymore. So like a lot of these creators, you could go to the cons and talk to them and see what they're working on. Uh, but now, like, you, I think, I guess, you know, for all these Kickstarters, these press releases, some of them have social media, some of them shouldn't have social media. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, I like that might be a Kickstarter to look at, especially if you know you like that kind of era of comics of the '80s, um, creator-owned stuff, which was was pretty cool. Like stuff like uh, like Nexus, and um, it was just a fun. It was just a cool time, and just so much ground. Because up to that point, it was all Marvel and DC, but these guys were just kind of you know kicking in against the door. Um, so yeah, do you, do you guys like Mike Grell? I, I'm a fan. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I like him and I'm looking at the John Sable cover artwork right now and I, I could see the influences that this had on, you know, especially the 90s stuff in DC and Marvel. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's one of those things, again, people, names, I, unless I go and look up, I never recognize. But once you toss me the picture, I went and looked. And yes, definitely. I recognize the art. I recognize what's there. And, you know, yes, of course. Yeah. And he's one of those guys that like, I don't know, I have some old like Legion of Superheroes and he, he drew those. I mean, he, he's just, he's like around the 70s, 80s. And then he was very prolific. And Awesome. So, yeah, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad he's, I'm glad to get that, glad to hear from him and uh, glad that he is repackaging his work. And also, Absolutely. I like, I also like that he's doing it so he can handle like the recoloring and everything because a lot of times mm. companies will really fuck up the color job, especially yes. like, like trying to do like the modern colors on like stuff in the 80s, especially like, mm -hmm. like I think I was looking at Absolute Swamp Thing and they really botched the colors on that. And, um, but, I think with him and him and I don't know, he has a studio in, in charge. Like it looks really, it's a really good transfer. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move on to quick hits. So Brian, what is your quick hit for this week? Uh, well, um, I talked about it briefly yesterday or last episode, um, but um, I'm going to talk about a girl walks home alone at night, number one, and actually issue two um, again here by uh, Anna Lily Amrapour and uh, Michael Deweese. Uh, we did, uh, f we found out that it was based on a movie. It actually was also a comic back in 2014. This is actually re-released by Behemoth. So it's actually on Comixology, but under the publisher Radco. And the first, and that's why the first two issues are already available. But, but the best part is that the issues are like $3 for both. So definitely recommend, um, good price to check it out. Uh, but great, very, very um, defined black and white art, very much has that 50s horror feeling to that, to the, um, to the art. And it's very beautiful. Um, the, it what was really, what really was interesting um, as, as, you know, just a real quick um, brief recap. It's basically about a, a vampire in a in a in a city in Iran who basically preys on the 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 ne'er do wells and the bad people um, in the uh, in the city. And so the first issue is a super vigilante 
like superhero issue even though she's a vampire and it's like she's fighting crime you know her her own way <laughs> and um and and um a lot of like inner monologue very batman e kind of like i am the knight inner monologue kind of going nice. on while she's doing it and um and 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 but also it doesn't take itself too seriously because there's a part where she jumps on a skateboard and she skateboards away and oh that's so, so cool so it's it, it has this, it, it's it has a little bit of of silliness to it and then like issue two is a complete 180 in like theme and like as well as as like the field of the book because it is it is like a, a your pure horror story it's very gruesome it's very bloody it's not it's it's definitely not funny and it doesn't you know it's it's uh, um it, it's so it's a really interesting like like kind of like atmosphere change because the second issue actually is a prequel to the first issue and so it tells how the vampire got to the city that she's that she's talking and so it is it's it's a very it's a very cool story. Um, I'm assuming Behemoth is going to be releasing more issues of this. I really hope they do that, um, because I definitely want to pick up more once it comes out. But yeah, for two issues uh, for under three dollars, which is a steal, especially for something like this, is pretty good. Yeah, that sounds that sounds super cool. Um, I definitely want to watch the film before I read the comics, but. Uh, I just, I love that they, they shifted in tone in each issue to keep the readers on their toes. It's, it sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it, it, it was definitely surprising. Like, I was kind of expecting the same kind of tone, but nope. I like it. It's kind of like reverse Evil Dead, because, you know, in the first Evil Dead movie, is like straight up fucked up horror, and yeah. then the sequel is full comedy, and then, you know, Army of Darkness is just a different genre. But I kind of <laughs> like how, how they inverted that. Uh, Darcy, okay. what was your uh, quick hit this week? Um, well, I, when I was sick last week or the week before last, whenever I was sick, uh, (laughs) my cat decided to hit me in the head with all of my fake comics. So that's what I ended up reading while I was ill. So my quick hit is going to be fake, uh, the manga fake by Tsunami Mato. Um, it is... I don't know if either of you are familiar with fake, if either of you have read fake at all. Nope, nope. No, no, no. Go for it. <laughs> uh, fake was an incredibly kind of like important comic for a lot of queer people in the late 90s, early 2000s, especially if you were in an area that didn't have access to a lot of queer media because it was like a boys love comic that hit regular just every bookshelf in any if you were at a barnes and noble you had a gay comic and so it was kind of a big deal (laughs) that it's we just didn't have anything like that and so it it's a gay comic that i got my hands on when i was a teenager so it was kind of awesome today reading it as an adult when you've read other gay comics (laughs) It's kind of problematic, <laughs> like a lot of boys love manga is. It's kind of rapey in some places <laughs> because of cultural reasons. You know, you've got, oh, you know, you kind of say no and no means yes and blah, blah, blah. Um, but the basic 
concept is it is late 90s, mid 90s, early 90s, I'm not entirely sure, New York City, and you've got this cop named D, and he gets a new partner, uh, Randy, uh, who comes to New York, and he is half Japanese, and that kind of becomes a thing, and D constantly tries to get Randy to fall in love with him kind of or just at least have sex with him maybe um but they very much like each other they're partners they have all of these um not necessarily one volume uh crimes that they have to solve some of them cross volumes it was very interesting as a manga because it dealt with i kind of racial issues you had some characters who were actually black that were kind of looking at it again from today stereotype stereotyped but not in the same way that a lot of them are i'm trying to think of another anime that stereotypes really really bad because there are a lot of them Italia axis powers yes yeah well, no no no. <laughs> know, that, no that that does it on purpose because it's a comedy kind of thing but there's there's a lot of oh it was the 90s and it was just bad because it was bad this was actually trying to like do something with the brain it was trying to like talk about the concept of racism it didn't you know, again, it was the 90s. It didn't do it really well, but it was actually trying to have that conversation. Uh, so it's a, it was an interesting comic to read when I was a teenager. And I like going back to it. I really liked rereading it as something that, oh, you know, we've gotten better. We, we really, really have gotten better at talking about these things. We really, really have gotten better at telling these stories. I read Boys Love Manga now, and I think, ooh, some of this is still kind of awkward. But I go back and read this, and I think, ooh, it's actually really gotten better. <laughs> and so that's, 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 we have taken some baby steps, and that's really nice. <laughs> To know, it's really nice to find. And that's nothing against fake because I think it's a really, really important co comic to read, uh, especially for people from certain areas. And I think if, for people of a certain age, people of my age, it's hugely, hugely important as a comic because, again, you just didn't get access to queer media. You just didn't. And this was queer media readily available i didn't have to go someplace secret i didn't have to get on secret in the internet i could just go to a regular store and get it and that was fantastic but also hey it had other fantastic things like it's really well known for its fashion for the art style that it used it had uh, the characters wear these really big flowy shirts Oxford shoes, these big pillows they have on the beds. It's kind of this soft, kind of non-toxic masculinity thing. I connect mm. with these big, these big pillows on the beds. Nice. Um, Aww, that's cute. The main male character, Randy or Yo, he kind of adopts this little boy really early on. He's very kind of this giving, wonderful man. 
And so there's like a lot of things that this story does that I've always really connected to and really loved. But again, reading it today, quite problematic. But as a historical kind of vehicle comic, hugely important. I suggest reading it, but you have to go in and read it and remember it is from the 90s. <laughs> it's got some issues, but yeah. it is important. And it's all good. I mean, I read, I mean, I'm just yeah. full disclosure. I read old problematic shit all the time. Like I read old issues of Love and Rockets, which was one of the first comics to have a, a like a queer couple in it. But I mean, one of the members oh, of the queer couple uses all, all kinds of slurs and stuff. But I mean, yeah. it's, but she's not like a role model. Or, it's like, no. Yeah. Exactly. Love and Rockets is great. Yeah. And, and it's still going I, on. It's like so awesome. It's like, and, yeah. and again, you know, I read and listen to stuff from the 40s. So I'm not there are worse things yeah but i think for some people fate gets held up really really high still because maybe they haven't reread it in a while <laughs> and i did just reread it and i was like whoo this isn't necessarily what i remembered it to be um but it, it is still really good the story still holds up quite well and you know they are cops and d is very violent cop but he knows he's a very violent cop and he does it on purpose so you know i, I definitely think there need i definitely think there need to be more violent i mean not cops necessarily but i definitely think there to be more violent queer characters as i will talk about late in a later segment so oh no he yeah no he's he's definitely a very violent queer character yeah like like when north star came i mean north star is great but like he's, mm. he's his power is running away so that it was like so awesome when you got like Apollo and Midnighter and um, Apollo and Midnighter are great violent yeah. queer characters. And then and then Dakin eventually. Um, Dakin's yeah. a great violent queer character. Yes. Yeah, Not just getting Midnighter is probably the best. But oh yeah. If you like a violent queer character, D is right up your alley. Cool. All right. He will kiss a motherfucker and then he will punch your ass in the face and shoot your ass in the knee. That's awesome. That's, that's that's what I like to hear. That's awesome. That's so yeah, cool. yeah. One thing I actually have a little little kind of mini question just about the the this this comic and then kind of yaoi genre in general. A, a lot of creative critics have said that this genre is all about it's about appealing to heterosexual women. Do you think it is fake? Yeah, is like a, that? a a lot of it definitely is. Most yeah. most most definitely. Um, I, <sighs> I think I, I know a lot of gay men who like it, but they're okay. Sidestep get a little weird here. It's all good. Uh, I attended a um, academic conference um, a couple of years ago where it was a sexuality and gender conference. And one of the, uh, speeches I listened to was about young women who write stories and why they like to write about rape or forced sex so much. And boys love tends to have a lot of this, a man forcing himself on another man character. And 
this idea of being able to put yourself in a strong character who is also being overpowered by another stronger character allows yourself to both be kind of powerful but also vulnerable and women especially in certain cultures are supposed to be vulnerable but at the same time it allows you to be sexually open as you're not supposed to be as a woman necessarily um and there was a lot of other stuff to it but uh, that was kind of it you know you've got the aspect of it that's imaginative you've got the aspect of it that's just sexually exploratory but a lot of it is that whole uh, subversive nature of oh i'm supposed to be submissive but there's a strength there as well yeah that's see that's where it gets all like really triggery for me and stuff because i mean oh, yeah, you, can, no, you can be you know dominant and submissive in a obviously in a you know a consensual relationship Yes, um, a you've, lot gotta of, have the, you've gotta have the negotiation beforehand, but culturally, yeah. culturally, you're supposed to be able to do it without the actual verbal negotiation. Yeah, that's, yeah, I, I know there's like cultural differences too, and which makes it yeah. like complicated. And, Very complicated. <laughs> Definitely. But hey, Yali is so popular. I mean, you roll up to Barnes & Noble and there's so much fucking Yali. Which is... <laughs> Which is awesome because, like Darcy was just saying, it's there wasn't like that <laughs> before. It, because it is in Japan and in a lot of Asian cultures, it it works really well well for and it sells really well for cisgender heterosexual women. But again, I know a lot of gay men in you know, cis gay men in America who bought it here because it, again, it was something they saw themselves represented in. Yeah, I think, I think for maybe, I mean, luckily, I mean, I never really have been in a world where there, I mean, there's always been stuff, but um, yeah. I guess, I mean, back then, like that was really the only game in town. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there's like, I mean, there's always been like indie stuff, but I mean, if you weren't in an area with a comics bookstore or like a, a queer bookstore or like an mm. you know alternative like bookstore, um, I think yeah, I guess that was your only option. It's really sad. Unfortunately, uh, yes. Yeah, but uh, cool. I recently read that there's going to be a um, a boys love and a girls love uh, convention in like the U.S. I think in Florida. Um, uh, I'm not going sketch. ever. Yeah. But. I think I think it's but I think it's cool that it's like that open now you know the fandom and like it's it's pretty awesome. The fandom for boys love and girls love is interesting. Yeah. The fandom for hentai is interesting. Mm-hmm. That whole section <laughs> of the fandom is very interesting. Yeah. I I went that side of it once when I first got old enough to go like to the hentai side and do all that stuff and very interesting. More power to them. <laughs> you do you band um, people. Yeah. I'm weird. I'm weird in my own way. You be weird in your own way. Exactly. Everyone's got their thing. Everyone's got their thing. 
Wow, I did not foresee us talking about Yowie on this podcast, but here <laughs> hey, we are. That's what um, I'm here for. I'm here to bring in the weirdness. And I thank you. That's awesome. You're welcome. Yeah, it felt good. Hey, you know, it's a it's a popular genre. I mean, we'll get some some fans from a different part of the internet. Um, <laughs> cool. So yeah, so my uh, we've I think we've mentioned this book in the pod during like news sections, but finally, um, I walk with monsters number one dropped this week. Paul Cornell's big return to comics. You may be familiar with his work on Doctor Who and some mainstream stuff like uh, like Wolverine and Night and Squire and action comics. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff. But yeah, he's doing a horror book with uh, Sally Cantorino who draws The Last Song, which we also mentioned on our earlier pod, and Dear Blue Kelly, great colorist. Uh, so basically the premise of this book is that it's uh, it's about, there's this um, these two characters in one uh, basically, they entrap like pedophiles or really fucked up people, and the girl kind of is like the bait, and the guy is like turns into a monster, like a crazy fucking monster. The monster is so good in this book. Kelly and Kendrina do a good job. Uh, it, there's lots of good build up too, um, and basically, yeah, they take out like creepy pedophiles and creepy dudes, um, kind of crisscross the United States. I think they're in Indiana in this issue, and it kind of, and then there's like definitely, uh, Paul Cornell does a really good job of um, kind of cutting between past and present. And uh, Kelly does a good job of switching the color palette. So you kind of get their backstory and their triggers. And this is definitely a very um, emotionally fucked up book that'll definitely like fuck up with your emotions and stuff. And I feel like if you've gone through any kind of like a solar or kind of had that kind of background, like it might be, might be triggering and, um, but the art is like really clean at times too. So it's like really easy to follow. Uh, but yeah, but then also it gets connected. But the big story is like, there's this like kind of mysterious political candidate that is connected to them um, in their past. And they give you, uh, Cornell and Cantorino give you just enough to want to read, like continue in the series. Like they give you just enough information with this candidate. There's like a, a billboard at the end. So it's cool. There's, so there's, So it's like, very kind of monster fucked up monster a fucked up version of the whole monster of the week structure but also like building up to this really exploited and like you know we're you know we are i mean our former president was a fucking pedophile and our upcoming president has done some you know inappropriate things and i mean then you have the whole thing with clinton and, and jeffrey epstein and ooh, the fbi is watching this podcast now so it's like it's just it's just like it's just like something that's in politics and it's it's in like whispers and it's also like just straight out out in the open like that guy i think i thought about the guy that from alabama the the, the pedo in alabama who was running for senator roy moore yeah i forgot his name <laughs> so it's it's I like follow that. the horse on twitter yeah yeah I, I was following it for a while but then then the football coach came in <laughs> the football yeah uh, so it's, 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 so there, there's lots of, so like, yeah, there's like monsters and stuff, but there's also lots of like, kind of real, like, like the non-monster parts are very, like, could actually happen. Um, so yeah, it's really cool. And like, go, you know, kudos to Paul Cornell for, you know, ma- having such an ambitious comeback and, yep, and another, yeah, yet another hit from Vault and their horror imprint Nightfall, which I'm glad it's like, not just this October thing. It's like a, you know, ongoing thing. So yeah. kind of, kind of like for all seasons. Yeah, it's like it's like they found a they found a good niche and it's it's like different it's 
I don't want to throw shade on Hill House. I actually haven't read any of the Hill House books, but it's not centered around one creator. It's lots of different kinds of voices, lots of different aspects of the horror genre. So it's cool. It's really cool. And I'm glad they found that niche for sure. No, yeah, I I absolutely love the vault horror books too, and this is on my list to read. So I definitely, I have it. I just haven't had a chance to read it yet. So definitely excited to read this. And also, I got I got to go to bat at bat for the Hill Hill House books. Um, it is pretty diverse on the creators. I know he's one guy's curating it, but it was it was pretty good. There were some good story good stories in that. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've heard they're good. It's just yeah, it's just like well is. Once Joe Hill ups and leaves, it, like what's gonna happen? It's, it's kind of like like I love Young Animal, but like, yeah. like with I mean this like without Gerard Way, like, eh. it's all over now. <laughs> yeah, that that is and so is Hill House. So, it's, but yeah, which is I mean whatever. I mean it's cool that the books were around for a while and they, they mm-hmm. gave a shot. But but yeah, definitely check out I Walk with Monsters. Um, it's like it's it's kind of somewhat a Department of Truth, but less like mind bendy and more like personal stories. So. Yeah, I like it. And like, Sally Cantorino is, I mean, her work on Last Song, Black and White, it's like incredible to see her work in color. And she's really good at just capturing like a wide range of emotions and just using really clear, because like Last Song has very much like music video, music documentary vibes. And this is more kind of like home video thing, but with like, within like crazy, um, craziest monster splash page. So it's cool. Yeah, cool seeing her more. Um, get more recognition because she's like an amazing artist. So, yay! Cool. Nice. All right. So our whoa, kind of switching switching gears. Our main course, as we mentioned earlier, our main course this week is book tour by Andy Watson. It was this is my pick. Um, it's a about a two hundred seventy six page graphic novel from top shelf. Um, you know, a good, the venerable indie comics publisher, imprint, whatever. And so, yeah, so basically the basic plot of Book Tour is about an author named Fretwell. He's one of those literary fiction guys who, um, I don't know, he's one of, he's, he, this guy, dude, definitely has an MFA. I mean, they don't go into his education, but I could, I could tell. He, and he's writing a book about an encyclopedia salesman who goes door to door, but one volume's missing. And also his wife is missing. It's one of those like, lit, like it's really hard to distill down into an elevator pitch um, to get to your average uh, reader. So that's why he is, he's on a book tour and he doesn't sell a single copy of his book. Like dude's hitting all kinds of books, book, bookstores. Um, even like the sales guys are like going to bat for him to get him to sell, sell his books. Like, basically, you know, hand selling for him and he's not, but then he progressively gets in more kind of rundown bookstores, more rundown lodgings. And also there's like a murder missing persons case going on. So it's a lot of, a lot of balls in the air. Um, I, I personally, the plot line of the book, I wasn't the biggest fan of, but I really liked the art style of the book. It's very simple, um, very simple line work kind of looks like a diary comic, um, a lot, just no, no color, um, very light inking. Some of the, like, I think the, the, the heavier inks come in the, like the bit in the cityscapes, but like the, the characters are very, very simple. It reminds me a lot of kind of some Art Spiegelman's work um, for sure. And no, no word bubbles, just letters straight in the page. So definitely, I, I like that a lot, just the simplicity of the storytelling. 
lots of silent sequences. But the storyline in general, it's it's cool, it's kind of clever at times, but I just really didn't connect to the main character. He's really, I don't know, he was really a, kind of annoying and I don't know. What do, what do you guys think? Darcy? I really quite enjoyed it in a kind of off-putting kind of way. Uh, this book gave me extreme levels of anxiety. Like I knew what was going to happen from the first disappearance pretty much uh, because this is the thing they tell you like when you're traveling. Uh, you're going to, you know, don't get mistaken for other people. Don't let things out of your hands. Don't blah, blah, blah. You know, I lived in a foreign country for nine years. I traveled alone in other foreign countries for almost a decade. You do this by yourself. You have to constantly have your ID on you. You have to constantly make sure you have your luggage on you. This is the horror story that happens to other people. So I knew what was coming. People go to prison for things they didn't do. And oh, this was so anxiety inducing because this is the fear. <laughs> So I really enjoyed it because this is like everything that I heard people tell me in hotels and in restaurants from like other, you know, Americans and English people. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? And it never, I mean, it's probably happened to someone, but it's all these stories that you hear people tell, these horror made up bullcrap stories that other expats tell other expats, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like one of those things. It, I don't know that the character the character wasn't incredibly enjoy enjoyable. He was annoying, but of course he's supposed to be annoying. That's kind of like who he is as a person. That's why his wife hates him. Obviously, his wife oh, those doesn't hate him. Were great. Those conversations were oh. oh so terrible over the phone when he's trying to talk to her as his room progressively gets worse and worse and he has to go out and find you know worse and worse telephones across cities the city streets and he's going to have to eat worse and worse meals and oh yeah terrible the art i really enjoyed uh, like you said like the character art was a little bit more simplistic i liked how detailed the background and the cities were uh, anytime you're in the bookstores how kind of the detail was in the bookstores around him whereas he himself the character design of our main characters very quite simple uh, so I, I really enjoyed that um i i really it's hard to say you like something that makes you feel ill <laughs> while reading it, but I, I, I really did enjoy it. I thought about it a lot after I read it. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it, I think. I think. For, for something that made me feel ill, I enjoyed it. Yeah, there's lots of contact anxiety, contact embarrassment. Mm -hmm. He's this, like, uh, Fretwell is, like, literally the most unstreet smart person ever. Yes. He, he, and he, but, like, but his personality quirks are just, he's just a really, he, I mean, I don't, Kind of got annoyed by him but he's like yeah, really unique. definitely he's a really uniquely crafted character like you see him with a paper all the time so you mm -hmm. stereotypically you expect like oh he's up on current events he knows 
shit's going down, but he literally only is reading the paper for the literary for review his section. reviews, and not just for you know the publishing world for just for his reviews, just for him because he's a very self-interested person. So. He only cares about himself. He only, yeah, no, he, he's a very self-interested, very annoying person. Yeah, he, he's, uh. Yeah. Uh, so, Brian, what did you think about book four? Oh, uh, well, I, I really enjoyed the, um, the character style. I, I've always liked Andy Watson, um, uh, just the way he, the way he draws, the way he emotes with, with, not using a lot of facial expressions, but there's a lot of emotion in in the way people are positioned, in the way that the you know the 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 words the words are how the words are coming out and everything. Um, and also, you know, Fretwell um, is a good name for the main character. You know, I mean, he's very he's very meek, and he's very um, it's like he it's good to be you know kind of relaxed in all situations but he just takes it to such a fault where it's like the world yes. is just collapsing around him and it's like do something and he just kind of just sits there like even like when he goes to prison he just sits there like and he may maybe once in a while speaks up and goes i, I didn't kill anyone but you know he's not you know he's not <laughs> doing anything for for himself and he's he's very much a pebble like in in the tide and and he just goes places and and really has no effect on the environment around him but yet the environment is definitely affecting him you know so it's it's he's just yeah <laughs> it's it's an infuriating character but the reason why it's enjoyable is because he's supposed to be infuriating you know like that's this is the way he's written it's not you know like he he's definitely a very interesting dynamic character without being dynamic at all in a way <laughs> no he's he's very he's very honestly he's a lot like if, if bartleby the scrivener wasn't a scrivener or like a uh you know desk jockey and was like an author because his book like his book like his book just sounds like really like like why how the fuck did this book ever get published um Definitely very, like, I'm, like, getting a very, like, this guy has some kind of academic connections, because you, you'll see these novels, like, who would even be interested, but they have, but they have like, an academic press behind them, so they get published. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, uh, I, got, I definitely got a vibe from that. And But the letter H. The letter yeah. H is missing. That's totally, like, it's totally, I'm, like. I feel like I've seen that book somewhere. Yeah, I think it's, it's so a parody of a Don DeLillo book or something, I want to say, but, you know not as well written it almost sounds like a, a kramer from seinfeld pitch like something that would be like a whole season of him trying to get this dumb book published that no one cares about you know so it definitely it has that vibe there's a lot of it's very dry the book this book and 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 there's a lot of humor in it and it, but it's not like laugh out loud humor it's very much like a cutesy like ah that's that's, that's you know fun <laughs> kind of kind of humor yeah, the, yeah, the best. I mean, honestly, shit. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna run with this this sign the Seinfeld analog. Like a lot of it is just people reacting to just embarrassing and awkward situations. And I, I like Andy Watson's really good at using the grids and the beat panels. Like there'll be there'll be like to just to have like the like characters reacting to like I mean like uh, having like like Fredwell just freaking out in every situation. Like freaking out when 
like he can't get room service like his reaction to having a cold steak also i love i knew i would hate this character from because when he said that steaks. he said he said he, yeah. when he said steak well done i'm like oh i'm gonna oh i'm not rooting for this yeah. character anymore <laughs> mm-hmm. even though like at first he's like oh he's just this, like underdog writer kind of type like eh, like poor guy like i hope he catches a break but then when he orders the well done steak i'm like oh That's we're cool. done buddy <laughs> we're done uh he he's more wrapped up about getting his steak right than he is about being accused for murder which is mm-hmm. which is interesting um question i wrote this note down does he ever get his tea like he he always gets something else besides tea right like that that that's kind of a running gag in the book i don't think he ever does yeah he he, he always gets coffee eat. or like because no one really pays attention to him yeah yeah it's like and then when he shows up to this like i feel like most bookstores or i mean i've worked at libraries and like having an author show up is like a huge deal like you spend the entire afternoon getting the the tables right getting the snacks right mm-hmm. getting the books out so like the so they'll they'll feel you know welcome but like i feel like he's always just like an afterthought and mm-hmm. i like the rival even though we don't see this rival author but i like that there's like the rival author of like the hit the hit lit fic book the new one yeah, yeah. you kind of get the idea that he was last year's new author or something mm-hmm. yeah and for sure no totally and and the the newest thing and no so so it wasn't that author at, at, towards the end right when he has the confrontation with the other author um the, it, it isn't i i wasn't sure whether or not that was supposed to be guys the 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 writer who's successful um you know it, it, you know, you guys don't think it was yeah i don't think he ever shows up because remember towards the end, like he, there's that one guy who's really like in his face and he's like wondering what he's doing. He's like, oh yeah, I'm on a book tour as well and blah, blah, blah. Huh. Yeah. Oh my gosh, maybe. So I'm not, I, don't, I don't know if that would be, he never, they never give him a name. They never say it's who it is. Is that the so, guy, the, 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 he finally, the therapist or whatever? Um, no, it was like, it was one of the last hotels that he was in. Oh, the guy yeah, who, like, could be. Yeah, that might be. And, you know, that's that's a possibility. That was like, I think that was him just feeling really uncomfortable, and because mm-hmm. that, like that was definitely like straight up like, um, like a sex worker hotel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was straight up like, because like yeah, I'm like he goes from like just a nice, beautiful. Let's spend a whole page showing this like hotel, like talented author bro hotel to like. Oh, uh, do you want to pay by the hour, or do you want to pay by the like? Uh, when I heard sex pay by the hour, workers go to nice hotels too. <laughs> yeah, but this is like don't pigeonhole sex workers. I, I, I know, but this is like <laughs> this is just like like a this is like your your you know your yes I know, <laughs> crappy hotels. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Gosh. Also, um, you know, there's a lot of weird themes like like room eleven, like and he ends up in cell eleven. You know, like like he always seems to get that room in all the hotels. That. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty. I mean, like that's like that's like weird. Like it's like if I think that if if everyone reads this again, you know, for a second or third time, it's you'll see that there's like a lot of weird nuances that that just kind of run like running gags almost mm-hmm. during the entire entire book. It's it's very it's yeah it's 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 very humorous without knocking you down with the humor. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's fun. It's like a New Yorker cartoon. <laughs> you know? 
It is yeah. a bit like a New Yorker cartoon. I I could I can definitely see how that's a thing. Yeah. And but also the artwork kind of remind me like of do you remember like I mean this is my this is definitely going to age me. Um like when Nickelodeon first started. Um, very much and, reminded me of that. Yes. Yeah, like when well, they didn't couldn't afford their own programming, so they they used like the foreign, like the French and the and like the English like cartoons. They definitely had that French cartoon vibe. Well, the funny thing is, this book was originally published in French. Ah, so that makes sense. It's yeah. There's definitely a very very like Euro feel to it, even though Watson is a, a British. I mean, he's British, but um, like continental Europe feel to it. You can't call British people European anymore. Oh, they Brexited. <laughs> Hey, we're not, not yet, not yet. They're Brexiting. Soon. My, my, my sister They're is in the inter- process. My sister is an international relations grad student and she has like a Brexit countdown counter. Like some people have like countdowns for Christmas or like Star Wars or some shit, but she has one for Brexit. It's a one Brexit. Of the reports ad- I, one of the reports I do, I have to monitor it constantly. It's such a pain in the butt. Right, for sure. Um, I'm- I want a Brexit advent calendar. <laughs> oh my gosh. I bet, I bet they, honestly, dude, I think, I bet they exist. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, speaking about, like, there, there is a lot of, like, like um, cycles and good callbacks. Like, the whole, the pro, the whole protest situation when people are burning books. Like, you want to, like, I, like, was reading that, and I'm like, was that, wasn't the lady outside that one bookstore? And you kind of see, kind of, mm-hmm. like, it all comes around in the end. Just, like, the murders and the, the missing people and his relationship with his wife. Yeah. yeah. The suitcase murderer. Just complete, and I, lo- I love just like complete, um, like seemingly throw, like when you, when you initially read it, like throwaway details become like the driving engine of the story. It's like so yeah, just, just surreal without being like over the top. And the ineptitude of the police, I mean. Yeah, they're terrible. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, like, 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 they're like, oh, well, it can't be you because there was another murder while you were in here. It's like, well, you know, like, everyone, like, what if he's working not alone? <laughs> you know, it's like, I was like, like, don't let him go. You know, like, you know, you don't know for sure yet if, if he, if he's the murderer. But, you know, I mean, like, I don't think there's a question that whether or not he's the murderer because he's, I, I, to the reader, Andy Watson definitely doesn't make it sound, seem like he is it, but, you know the cops don't know that <laughs> so the suitcase the first suitcase was missing before he even arrived right yeah. that was a thing before he even got there mm-hmm. so it's probably the suitcase murderer <laughs> the guy who took his suitcase i know that's what i that's my theory i think it's the guy who stole his suitcase in the beginning because that i mean like that guy totally had the social engineering unlock he's like pretty much like i mean I mean, Fretwell is an easy mark, but Fret, like Fretwell is just feeding him all the information he needs for him to steal his shit. Right. Uh, yeah, and that's also where you can tell, like, oh, this is this is not going to go well. I so like from the marketing in this book, I thought it was going to be way a little more like, like straight up Kafka esque, like more like surreal with the visuals. But I think it just being so understated, like honestly, worked worked a lot better. Yeah. Um, no, totally. Just being so flat and so. So dry, as we mentioned a lot, like dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I when I I definitely got this real vibe. Um, I when I, when something like this, when I know I'm gonna like the writer, I don't try to read anything about the book before I read it, and and like it definitely that surreal feeling was definitely a, an undertone in my head the entire time I was reading this, and then 
then it was like, oh yeah, it's like Kafka. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I can see that. It's cool. Yeah, and definitely like a lot like um, kind of like like French existentialist novels too. Yeah. Um, just people just getting in totally absurd situations and then ending. I mean, th- you know, it's not like it's not like you know a stranger where he's like dead at the end, but he's and mm-hmm. pretty so pretty just fucked and <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. No one's turning into a cockroach, but still, it's it's there. <laughs> Wouldn't but, necessarily be surprised if he did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Gregory I mean, Fretwell. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. I'm like, I was expecting, you know, maybe like, but it's it's okay. I mean, I'm cool with that not happening. You know, yeah, yeah. Story. It doesn't need to. Yeah. The, the jail situations were definitely more like. Um, I was reading it super late at night too, so that might have been a factor. But the, the jail situations, I definitely felt like were like a dream. Just oh like yeah, not eating. Just time was just so weird. Just like, uh, but it was it was good. It was a it was a really fun way to end the in the book for sure. Um, and the guard is super nice and like um, and to him until he finds out that he's not the murderer and he's all pissed off because he's like oh you you lied to me it's like you're not you're not you the were killer. interesting yeah it's like oh my god <laughs> that is definitely something that would happen in a dream you know it's not not the way normal people would act mm, is it yeah. not yeah i guess you know i guess for a yeah. serial killer yeah yeah i mean true crimes are popular so yeah i mean true crimes are popular <laughs> definitely I just and I, and I love like I love the just the POVs in jail like it's it's all Fretwell or like just the 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 hand pushing the the the, the like really weird egg deal with like I don't yeah this this book like just has this really like red like I can't really place it in an era but it has this like very retro feel um, for sure without being like set in a certain like there aren't like actual like any references to current events or anything which i think works because it gives it more like a dreamlike feel um you know definitely taking yeah taking out a lot of the technology using all the phones the way the phones are used definitely moves it back in time but not and the clothing makes it feel a little bit older i think um yeah, it reminds me a lot of like some of the scenes in Inception where they use old technology. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of and and a lot of the like cityscapes, the streets make it feel a little bit, but also like we were saying, European. Mm-hmm. I I kind of got that like feeling in my head when I was reading it. Like if there was background music to this book, it would be like the 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 one like concertina, like accordion kind of playing, you know, a, a, a one little melody, kind of like very much like a David Suchet, like Perot type <laughs> type uh, TV show, you know? Oh, for sure. Or like yeah. uh what's that what's that like game um the um oh the game with all the mysteries the um, the puzzle game. I'm Professor Layton. Professor Layton, like yeah, that, like that, that kind of background. aesthetic. Yeah, that that kind of aesthetic and that kind of music would be playing um, during this entire. No, I, I I have no idea what you guys are talking about. I just know the guy has like a monocle and stuff, and it's very like twee. Like this book is twee for sure. Yeah, but like twee, like it's but it's like the frightening side of twee, which is what I like. It's it's not the twee that takes itself way too seriously. Like like you know like a late period Woody Allen. 
it's like the twee it's like twee's worst nightmare i love it um <laughs> i want to share like, this with some some english professors i know and like it'll probably like they'll probably never sleep ever like twee like labyrinth kind of like no no we like we like academic like i think they call it like dark academia now or soft hmm. academia now it's like a I just, I don't want to get down in this TikTok hole. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> our, our, our listeners, some of our listeners will understand this. Yeah, they're probably furiously yelling at their phone. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, no. I, I like it when, like, wannabe intellectuals are, like, totally skewered and hoisted on their own petard and go on weird journeys. So, yeah. I like, wasn't my favorite, but I, I mostly enjoyed this book. Mostly for the art style, for sure. Um, yeah. So, did you guys have any last thoughts on book tour, Brian? Oh, yeah. It, I liked it. It was good. Um, I mean, it was definitely a, a very breezy kind of read. Um, huh. You know, like in in a way, like um, I'm not sure if this is gonna. This is probably not going to be on my. I have to read this like once a year kind of list, but I'm glad I read it and it was fun. And I definitely had that kind of little glib sense of humor kind of going through it. So, you know, it, it was it was definitely entertaining and and definitely worth the the checkout. I would say. Yeah, I feel like all those extra like silent panels and reaction shots like definitely kind of give it more of a like a dreamy, a relaxed feel to reading. Even though like it kind of kind of cushions just the utter embarrassment and anxiety mm-hmm. and just hole that he keeps digging for himself yeah um but yeah it's really yeah it's like really just um andy watson's a really a really good really good storyteller even though this art style is like different uh i haven't read his earlier stuff but i know he's done done a bunch of ya stuff which seemed a lot more like graphic and expressive but this is seems more kind of stripped down which which is cool you know it's good he's he's still a good story it just i like it when artists um do different styles for sure Mm -hmm. because if you do the same style over and over again you get boring and become a dc house style artist (laughs) um so darcy do you have any last thoughts on book tour um you know always keep your baggage in your eyesight never let your passport out of your hands um don't ever give someone your bags who says hey i'll pay you can give me money and i'll carry this for you it's a terrible idea it's almost always a scam don't do it you'll go to prison for murder all right. Thank you. That's my final thoughts. Nice. And yeah, and if you're an author, don't be uh, reliant on your publisher or some weird poetry, like the poet. Oh, I love that he was a poetry editor. Yeah. Like, you know, the poetry editor is like the lowest of the low. Sorry. No shade. No shade to poets. Yeah. You guys are yeah. Great. The poetry editor had the dominance in that, in that situation. You know? Yeah. It's like the, like really, yeah. You know, if you're in the poetry imprint, like, Ooh, you're unless you're like you know Rumi or something like. Ooh, you're not. Ah, Rumi, I love her. <laughs> or 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 like you know if you're some famous in another field doing poetry like you're fine, like but if, sorry, um, pretty much the, I mean. The economics are what the economics are. A lot of people don't pay money for poetry at the moment. So if you are a poetry editor, you probably are not the highest person at the, on the totem pole in the publishing house. It sucks, but unfortunately, it is accurate. Yeah. 
which which is why it was like kind of hilarious like he, he thinks he's you know he's gonna meet with the publisher big mm-hmm. deal but then he has to he has to foot the bill he gets ditched and it's just <laughs> like i just cool. so yeah if, if if you like i mean if maybe don't check out this book if you if like you don't like secondhand embarrassment but if you just like getting into those like you know getting into those like you know seinfeld curb your enthusiasm kind of situations but with more of an academic bent and uh like dreamlike bent like yeah book tour is good um and yeah yeah definitely not my like favorite book we covered on the, the pod or my favorite book of 2020 but yeah like brian said i'm, I'm glad i read it and it's kind of fun kind of unique kind of story and I'm, I'm glad it got made i'm glad there's comics like that with weird situations that kind of because yeah this is something i definitely would see in like a literary novel um for sure um so and well it also parodies it too which i feel like like you know once like right now it's like like yeah it's like parodies of parodies and like because postmodernism is a thing but are we post postmodernism or oh shoot oh this is not good um hey college professors if you're listening to this don't take this seriously <laughs> but uh cool all right yeah so yeah book tour um it was it was fun uh, <laughs> fun yeah a blast cool so speaking of fun um we're gonna go to looking forward so brian what comic are you looking forward to in this upcoming week uh well it is the last issue of lumberjanes and Damn. it's coming it's coming out as a as a um a one-shot essentially like miniseries um which is which is good because i mean it's it's by the sounds of it, it's going to be pretty hefty. I've been following, you know, the story since the beginning, and I can, and there's feels like there's still a lot to clean up, I guess. And so, I'm oh. glad that they're they're going to have enough room to do it. Um, it's bringing back um, Cat, uh, sorry, Brooklyn Allen in art, and and Brooklyn Allen was one of the first artists on the on the book. In fact, I think they were one of the creators of the book um shannon waters and cat lay who's written most of the other stuff um of, of the story is, is writing this as well so it's nice that they're going to be able to bring this home um and also also art with uh, kanisha c bryant so it it looks it looks really it you know it's sad and um but and it's it's such a great story and, and it's a it's a and it's absolute wonderful absolutely wonderful representation like and uh everyone can see themselves in in any of these characters you know it doesn't matter you know who you are what you are or what not you know there's 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 some of you in those characters so um it'll be sad to see them go but i'm glad that we're getting a definitive ending and and also there's going to be a tv show in in the near future as well so. so yeah we'll see what happens you know, so um, you just gotta say goodbye to a juggernaut. So hopefully, it ends well. Yeah, lumberjanes is awesome. I, I'm, <laughs> I, I like, yeah. I, I mean, I jumped on the lumberjanes bandwagon. I remember it was supposed to be like a six issue miniseries or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like way behind, so I probably won't be reading this book until like next this issue till next year. Yeah. But it's just so cool, like seeing this book like go on for what like seven years. Yeah. Yeah, like seven years because I, I interviewed Brooklyn Allen back at a con in DC. I interviewed him in like 2014 and when the book was first. And it's it's great. I mean, it's such a it's like 
such a good like you know template for for YA stories and ongoing comics and yeah it's cool and there's like prose novels and OGNs and just there was a crossover of Gotham Academy like it's great it's just it's like an empire and honestly I mean it says the end of summer but (laughs) I bet in a year or so down the road they'll do some more lumberjanes yeah I bet there's some sort of side story or it'll come back this is definitely not the end of it somebody will do something right it's like it's like adventure it's like adventure time you know ended on cartoon network but there's yeah. like little mini series on hbo max so yeah i can yeah, yeah it's, i mean it's definitely too well liked and i think probably sold too well oh yeah there's other cabins you know besides the road no cabin so right you know we can get others other perspectives other stories so Right. When, when a creator, I mean, when a creator owned, you know, series runs for over 70 issues, plus all these OGNs and stuff like. Right. You know, so there's, there's no like, you know, these were no one. I mean, these are completely original creations of, you know, Brooklyn Allen, Grace Ellis, um, Noel Stevenson, you know, Shannon. I don't this, Yeah. The creative stuff is like the yeah, original creators is like. kind of Yeah. But, but yeah, no, it's cool. I'm, and it's very, you know, it's historic for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, definitely. And there's and, always next summer. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully, fingers crossed. So is it still this? So is it still the same summer? It's been the whole mm-hmm. s- same summer. They actually, um, funny enough, they kind of uh, address that in in about in the middle of the series where they're like, "Wow, time runs really slow here for some reason." And so it's part of the magic of the forest is is why it's seventy five issues. And, yeah, I remember that one. I remember that one. I'm like, okay, yeah. like they had to, they wrote that in there because they know that the series is successful. They yeah don't want to wrap it's, it up after you know twenty five issues or something. It's kind of like Phineas and Ferb, um, yeah. where it takes place in one summer, but yeah, it's like five years of episodes. You know, so you know you have to kind of address it, but at the same time, just you know have fun you know yeah it's great cool. um darcy what are you looking forward to in indie comics this week um i am looking forward to and this is one of those long looking forward to uh <laughs> trace volume one uh murder on Belette drive uh it is by uh forgive me budgete tan and Caho uh bellissimo i'm sorry Balidissimo, I think is how you say that. Uh, it is a Filipino book. Um, it's It's been out for a while, um, but it is going to be released. Um, basically, it's going to be released in, I think, English, a fully published uh, reprint uh, by Ablaze. It comes out next week. Um, and it is going to be made into a Netflix anime. Cool. Uh, so that's why this whole reprint thing is being done. It's been printed. It's been a uh, comic in the Philippines for a while now. I can't remember when it was first done. It was early 2010s kind of thing. I'd been seeing... Uh, panels from it uh, on kind of Southeast Asian comic forums for like a long time, really interested in it. The basic idea, it's, it's this black and white comic. The basic idea is that there is a kind of this in the Philippines monsters, traditional Filipino monsters are like gangsters. And uh, there's this specific detective named Alexandra 
Trace, who fights them, especially. She's like, there she's i don't know if she's necessarily a cop or if she's like a pi hired by the police specifically there to go against them so it's like urban fantasy horror detective nice. kind of thing which is you know that's kind of a fairly standard nightshade there's Dress tons of violence. different ones yeah there's tons kind of you know there's lots of anime about it stuff yeah, like that yeah. um but this is set in the philippines so it's very regional very interesting kind of different so you've got different kinds of monsters that you don't normally see i'm really kind of very interested in this uh, there's a thai one that i keep wanting to get translated called uh, joe secret agent um that i'm hoping one day maybe if this gets really good press <laughs> joe secret agent will get translated maybe because it's kind of similar um, but this itself just looks really good. The art is super interesting. It's kind of very bold. Uh, it's black and white. I didn't necessarily mean everything that I did today to be black and white, but apparently it is. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, it's fitting for this episode. It's for sure. very fitting for this yeah, episode. We, we did a black and white comic. Like very, we did a black and white comic. Very I black did a and manga. White. <laughs> yeah, so we're just... And my news was black and white, so everything I did today was black and white. Uh, perfect. So yeah, it, it's it's kind of like horror but fantasy. Um, and Trace herself is very kind of like she's she's very bold looking, very intense, and I really like her character design. I, I don't know a whole lot about the kind of her storyline because I haven't read it, but I've seen panels for a long time, and I'm super interested. So I'm very excited. Yeah, no, it's cool. And and, and uh, kudos to Ablaze for um, reprinting these series. I know the art looks amazing. It reminds me mm -hmm. a lot of like, kind of like uh, David Mack a little bit. Just I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Gorgeous style. Um, just all like the, the really good use of like spot blacks and, and, and in like, I don't know, it's, it's very, it's very cool. The use it's, of negative uh, space. I don't know if it means anything to anybody necessarily, but uh, it was kind of pushed real hard by Neil Gaiman, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, it also has a little bit of a 90s without all the extra, you know, musculature and like gore and stuff. It reads a lot of like a 90s black and white, like right. kind of outlaw vibe too. Okay, uh, yeah. So, I don't, I, well, I don't know. There might be very incredibly violent too, but just, Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, no, it looks really, it looks really cool. Um, and yeah, well, it's on Netflix, so like, yeah. Plus, like some over the top. Yeah, no, this looks like a really cool look. Thank you. For, I think I saw, I saw it in the 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 uh, previews this week, and, and I kind of passed it over. But now I'm like, okay, I'm gonna try to check this out, try to track it down for sure. Um, yeah, cool. So yeah, so kind of circling back to how I was talking about how I like violent queer protagonists for my looking forward <laughs> it's uh i've been looking forward to this book for a while um since even you know steve was teasing it on his twitter is a uh, the original graphic novel kill a man from aftershock comics it's by uh, you know steve orlando we've mentioned on the show many times and philip kennedy johnson are the writers and then alec morgan who was one of the artists on midnighter like everyone talks about akko but alec morgan did the sexy two-part story with dick grayson no no that was <laughs> stephen mooney never mind Oh. Um, my bad. It's been years since, but he was, he was one of the artists on Midnighter. So he, you know, Midnighter was known, it was a very 
good action book. So he's like perfect for this this book about an MMA this like MMA fighter at the top of his game who gets out as gay. Um, so he, you know, and, and you know in in sports like all sports, combat sports, and even you know shit like like basketball and you know any any kind of like you know male dominated sport like you're if you're if you're you know gay bi queer you're you know you can't i mean you can you can you know at the end of your career you can be like jason collins um Mm -hmm. the nba player came out towards the very end of his career you can come out but if you're you know in the prime of your career and you come out like you're yeah you're fucked um like it's just it's there's still a lot you know so much homophobia um for sure um so yeah that's that's like a very real but then he ends up running into another queer MMA fighter who killed his dad. So it adds kind of a revenge drama element to it. So I'm really, really excited to check this out. Um, Cause uh, like one of my first really big books from Steve Orlando that I like other than Midnighter was, was Virgil, which was a queer revenge story. So I um, think he's kind of tapping some of the similar, even though it's like a much different setting than, than a, like a, like a Jamaica, like it was in Jamaica, like a kind of black exploitation story set in Jamaica for that one. Um, but I think it has the same kind of similar DNA. So I'm, I'm really excited for it, for sure. No, it looks really cool. And this was, I, I was actually, this was gonna be my looking forward, but then you had already written it down. So, um, but I'm, you know, I'm glad that we get to talk about it. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, no, no. And if two hosts are hyped about a book, yeah. like, you should definitely check it out. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's Steve Orlando. I'm here for it. Yeah, I want. I want to see. Yeah, I want to see the perspective because because like you were saying, sports has such a strong homophobia to it, and male sports. Male yeah, sports. male sports. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. male sports. That's the yes. thing. That's, yes. Yeah, like women's sports. Like yeah, you can be. Yeah, you can be. You know, like Sue mm-hmm. Bird. You can be. You know, a bunch of Alex Morgan. You can be so many. Yes. Like, but women's sports, like it's totally okay. But men's sports, if you're, you know, yeah. if you're, I mean, that's, that's honestly one reason why I, I didn't come out until after high school, because I mm. played sports in high school. And, ooh, yeah, just, and, yeah. Yeah. And it's so ridiculous. Nope. I mean, like the targeting and all yeah. that, you know, and it's because it, it has nothing to do with the sport, but yeah, you know, I mean, I digress. You know, so, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting, for, I'm waiting for the day, like there'll be a consistent, like any NFL and the NBA, hell, even the MLB, yeah. like consistent, like starter or key reserve player who's who's out you know as queer but it's not happened yet and i mean think about all on. the major yeah. ath- athletes of all the major sports i mean how many there are there, there definitely there, are there statistically definitely there's is. no re- yeah statistically it's just yeah yeah but I mean, you can coming. you yeah. can through statistics keep out trans people that you can that they can do but gay people no it's not possible no and it's just it's a don't ask don't tell kind of situation it's a don't ask don't exactly. tell until the end the very end of your career um yeah, yeah no but it's wild like yeah like jason collins john amici i forget the ones from the nfl i know there was an nfl player who was who was like a seven-round draft pick but I he think was he, he ended he was on the rams and but he ended up getting he was you know he was a good player at you know, missouri good special teams player you always need a good special teams player but yeah. he just just the, i think the media circus um and they it cut him it's yeah which is like well and then the team is like well we can get a player on special teams who have less drama around him yeah. but but like there shouldn't be drama in the first place it's like so fucked up and i exactly. could talk this is nothing to do with comics and i could talk about yeah. this topic for over and along and long but 
I'm really excited to see it explored in Killer Man. Yeah. 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 No, um, totally. Excited to see. Yeah. So yeah. So we're at the end of the episode. Um, Brian, where can folks find you online? Oh, before we do that, um, can I bring up? I have a little little special thing okay. for this episode. Okay. This episode um, isn't over yet. False yep. ending. Just really, just really quick, and we can just answer this really, really quickly, everybody, because I know we're kind of maybe running over now. But um, so, since it was Thanksgiving on Thursday uh, last last week, um, just want to know what what you guys are were thankful for, either either in comics or real life or both. <laughs> you know, just a quick mention. Cool. Logan. Yeah, yeah, sure, why not? Put me on the spot. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly I'm thankful for a lot of things, but I think something that, I don't know, has come a little bit. I'm, I'm thankful to anyone on the internet. I may, I may know you. I may not know you. And I'm just thankful to anyone who's read any of my articles over the past seven years. Like, I don't know. It just means a lot. Like, I was talking to my sister and my, my dad this week, and they're like, man, we've been really enjoying your Mandalorian reviews. And I'm like, cool. That's awesome. And then, yeah, just anyone who reads my stuff, comments on it, like, you guys are great. Uh, thank you. So that's, that's what I'm thankful for. Like, I guess people who actually read my stuff. Because, yeah, like, when you're, you know, when you're online, you, you, I mean, you can see when people like favorite or retweet or whatever, or Instagram heart. But you, you, you never know if they've actually read it or they're just like, uh, I'm going to, uh, he, he seems like he's going through a bad day. We'll hit the heart or whatever. So, yeah, and just kudos, shout out to anyone who's read any of my stuff over the years. So, and I'm thankful for y'all. All right. Okay. Well, I am thankful for uh, two weeks ago, the reason I missed, I had a seizure. And I am thankful for everyone who is considerate of that. My parents have been giving me car rides because technically I'm not supposed to drive for three months. So that's going to be a thing for a while. And my coworkers who stood up and covered my shifts that need covering and my doctors who stood up and took my phone calls that needed phone calls taking and everyone who was here for me for that and who has in the past been here for me for that I always appreciate it anytime it happens so that is what I am thankful for and you guys for you know taking care of it without me I appreciate it Maybe for people being considerate and having empathy. That's good. Yeah. Very good. much so. Yeah. And Brian? <laughs> uh, well, I'm actually like, so I'm a very introverted person and I love comics and it's one of the few things I like to talk a lot about. So I'm kind of just thankful to have you guys to talk to, you know, I mean, I know we're recording it and everyone else can listen. And hopefully what we talk about, you know, inspires people to, to, to find great things to read and to check out and you know because you know it's it's a bleak world out there so you know it's kind of fun it's kind of nice to to talk about fun things and it's also very nice to uh to recommend things to have people hopefully check out like but i know that sounds kind of silly but you know it's you know it's you know escapism i guess is the For best sure. way to put it very accurate yeah no and i i like this show so much because we can we can talk about books that you know books that people like you know will hype up like well i mean some stuff that it doesn't get hyped up unfortunately but yeah. some stuff that'll get hyped but it but you you know it gets lost in the news cycle of three jokers tom king huh? 
X of Swords, whatever. <laughs> so yeah. like these are these great indie books that people were like put it on their year end list, uh, talk about for a while. But like, but yeah, but I like feel like people, and then I see people on Twitter complaining like, oh, people aren't talking on these books. I'm like, I, I just want to be like, yeah. son, we we have a huh. podcast where we talk about son. <laughs> these, yeah, Captain uh, America. These yeah. uh, these books every week. Um, so yeah, so I just I just like it and and it and just the open the the very open format of a pod. I mean, we can do web comics, manga, yeah. black and white books about pretentious douchebags. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it's it's good, and you know it's like and it's and I think even if you're like you're only into certain kinds of books, you can. A listen to a few of our episodes and yeah i like it's it's fun for sure mm-hmm. yeah the way i explained it uh the other day was there's no rules just guidelines when it comes mm-hmm. to this podcast you know pretty yeah 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 pretty much um for sure uh yeah that's 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 actually a great that should be our new tagline yeah we um yeah cool so this this is the actual end of the episode Sorry. this is not the ending of return of the king we're, we're not gonna have like a fade to black and another one but uh, yeah, so uh, Brian, where can we uh, find you online? Well, if you still want to listen to me, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. At um, Instagram is is uh, Brian two eight one four. Twitter is uh, Brian underscore CB, as in comic book. Um, oh, that's and, what that is. That was yes. like a, your middle name or something. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so, spoiler surprise. Yeah, I'm I'm really creative, aren't I? You know, uh, so. <laughs> But, it's more creative, actually, than your last name. Yeah, that's, no, true, I thought, that's I, true. I thought that was like your 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 middle name was something C. Or like, oh no, no, no. Um, my parents actually didn't really think well when they gave you my initials. My middle name is James. My last name is Stafford. So <laughs> poor guy. Yeah. I and yeah, I heard about that a lot in high school and junior oh, high. That's uh, <laughs> so all good though. It's, it's it's water under the bridge. It's just funny now. Um, yeah. But yeah. And we also have the website, um, which has all our socials and everything on it. Okay. Um, I just got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to laugh, you know? It's oh, funny. Yeah. Because the thing is, too, is that if I don't have my middle initial, I'm still BS. So I'm either BJ's or BS. So it's like. <laughs> it's just, it's a no win. Hey, DJ, BJ's is a decent pizza place, but yeah, yeah. everyone yeah. forgets about that, you know, obviously. Yeah, so yeah, we have our website. Uh, yeah, comicsdeservebetter.wordpress.com that Brian runs, has all our stuff on there. Um, also follow us on Twitter, uh, CDBpod. And yeah, just follow us. You can follow us on Spotify, subscribe there, um, iTunes, Google Podcasts, all the, most of the podcast places. So, yay. Uh, Darcy, where can folks find you online? Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm better. I am at books and underscore serial. Um, and I have a website, booksandserial.wordpress.com. Uh, this week, I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I did find out that apparently you have a certain number of points on Marvel Unlimited's point system. You can get free cereal box things so i might Ooh. get the jessica jones cereal box thing Ooh, yeah i'm a That's huge awesome. jessica jones fan i need to check that out so i didn't love the black widow uh bad blood one but hey free i might do it anyway <laughs> yeah, yeah i know 
Gotta love Jessica Jones for sure. I do love Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. I wrote like a whole article series on her when the TV show came out. It was the crazy. TV show was so good. Yeah, I didn't. Wow. Wa- I didn't watch the last season though. <laughs> the last season was better than the second season. Awesome. I okay. Um, yeah, just like the the Marvel. Like, kid, the Marvel Netflix stuff was just so constipated to me. I, I don't know. It, it was kind of been... up and down. Episodes yeah. were way too long, and the seasons were way too long than they should have been. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very um, accurate. Sorry, very yeah. accurate. Um, yeah. And you could, okay, sorry. You can find me at uh, Midnighter Bay, B A E, on Twitter, and Pride Parker. I'm trying to post more stuff on Instagram, um, P R Y D E Parker. Um, you can find my writing at Graphic Policy. Uh, I think I'm doing some, I'm doing some TV stuff this week. I'm doing Mandalorian, and Euphoria is back on HBO, so covering that. And then I'm doing some, I think I'm doing one of the Marvel books this week. Um, but also I review a lot of indie books too. I, I did a 12 Reasons to Die last week. Uh, and then also this week I am kind of wrapping up on my own blog, logandaltonwrites.wordpress.com. I'm wrapping up my series Disenchanted where I'm going song by song through the discography of My Chemical Romance. And I've gotten through their first two albums and a bunch of cool like B-sides. And I'm not doing the daily ones anymore. I'm doing like gonna do maybe one or two a week for Black Parade and Danger Days, which actually Danger Days has comics based on it. So might get some comic stuff in there too. So yeah, that's that's what's up with me. And yeah, there this is kind of a leaner comics week, but there's still lots of good stuff. So um, lots of good old stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah. read some indie comics this week. Yeah. Please. <laughs>